0: So we've been talking about uh, this whole conversation of breaking cycles and looking and saying, uh, God, what do I do with my pain, my past, and my problems, right? Like I look back, the things that have happened to me in the past, the things that are, that are going on in my life right now, I want to bring that to Christ. I want to invite Christ into that because I want to change, right? When you look at the parts of your life that frustrate you, you look at addictions, you look at anger, you look at dysfunction, you look at anxiety, depression, just kind of fill in your blank. When you look at those elements of your life and say, God, I want to be on a different path, would you help me be on a different path and would you help me to break this cycle? So we've talked all about that. we talked about kind of where that comes from, we talked about the, you know looking at the lies that we believe, we talked about having a free will, that we can make choices, how we respond. Uh, we've talked about living in the what, and not the why, and that's all those back conversations, if you wanna look at them, I think that they're valuable for you. But where I wanna land us uh, this weekend is, is at the place where, where I think all of us have to get to. Anyone who wants to break a cycle, in fact, ultimately, anyone who wants to become a follower of Jesus, has to come to this, this pivot point in their life. And this is the conversation. I think, I think if you're going to take all that we talked about and boil it down to its very, very core, we're going to land in this place. And so what I want to talk to you about this weekend is trusting Jesus with your pain, your past, and your problems. Now, this is, this is why this is a big deal. Ready? I put it in the notes this way. Where our trust in Jesus stops, our healing stops. Where our trust in Jesus stops, our healing stops. To, to, to the point that I will allow Christ and entrust Christ with my pain, my past, and my problems. Where I stop doing that, my healing is going to stop. So this is, this is the way it works. When I struggle with cycles, when I struggle with sin cycles, emotion, all of it. When I struggle with cycles, What I'm doing ultimately is I'm looking and saying, I'm going to trust myself. I have pain in my past, I have sin in my past, I have sin that's been done to me, pain that's been brought to me. I have addiction in my past, I have processes in my past. All of that is stuff in my past that it shapes who I am in one way or another now. And all the cycle is is this, it's me being used to living in that process. So we can function in our dysfunction and we can function relatively well for a while and then it runs out somewhere, it breaks down all the way. But that dysfunction is familiar. It's what we know, it's what we're used to, it's how we know how to respond. And so it, it feels right, we said it feels like home, even though it's unhealthy, and even though it, it's not beneficial to me or the people around me, even though it, it hurts me, it brings sin into my life, etc. it still is like the land that I know and that I understand. And so I learned to trust it, because when push comes to shove, I can at least go back there and I can navigate through whatever's going on into my life, ready? In order for me to break a cycle, the only way for me to break a cycle then is for me to trust something outside of myself. I have to trust something outside of myself because me trusting me has brought me to where I am. So so the the evidence of my abilities and, and me relying on my own strength and my own wisdom and my own insight, me trusting me has brought you to the place where you're just stuck in the cycle. That you have exhausted that. So the only way for me to break out of that cycle is for me to look and say I'm gonna trust someone else. I'm gonna trust Christ. And I'm gonna trust things that Jesus says to me that I don't initially understand. I'm gonna trust things that Jesus presses into my life that's never been pressed into my life before, therefore I'm not even sure how to interpret it or how to understand it. I'm gonna trust like God's word, maybe I'm not familiar with his word, and God says something exactly the opposite of what I've been taught or what i believe my whole life. But me trusting me puts me in the cycle. And, and the, the the wealth or the power or the ability of that has been proven in my life And now I'm in a life cycle that I don't want to be in. And the only way for me to do that is ultimately for me to trust somebody outside of myself. And that's going to be Christ. So if I want to break a cycle, I have to be willing, ultimately, this is all easier said than done, but ultimately, I have to be willing to trust Christ and to the degree that I trust Jesus with my pain, my past, and my problems is the degree that I'm inviting the healing of Christ in my life and the degree that there can be transformation in my life, right? Now, this is what's, this is what's crazy. When Jesus looks at us, in essence, says, hey, I want you to trust me. Trust me with your pain, your passion, your problems. And that trust is difficult because trust has been violated, I've been abused, people, I've been abandoned, like all this horrible stuff that happens to us. So you looking at me, God, and saying trust me is like the biggest thing you could ever ask me for. When Jesus looks at us and says, I want you to trust me, ready, he's asking you to do something that he himself also struggled to do. When God looked at his son, Jesus, and said, Jesus, I have a plan. I have a plan for you, and this plan for you is something that's been in place for a long, long time. Here's the plan. The plan is, Jesus, that we're going to redeem humanity by you going to earth. You're going to be born of a virgin and you're going to put skin on so the people that you're trying to reach can understand who you are and what you're saying and how to respond to you. And then you're going to live on that earth and then you're going to declare that you are the Messiah and you're going to go through everything that everyone on earth goes through. The Bible says in Hebrews that God was tempted and challenged in every way that we are. So you're gonna be tempted in all the ways that the people are tempted. You're gonna go through their pain. The Bible, one of the ways it refers to Jesus is that he's a man of sorrows. You're going to be abandoned by your best friend at your greatest hour of need. You're going to lose your earthly father, Joseph, is going to die and then you're going to have to pick up the responsibilities of the family and care for your mother and the rest of your siblings. You're going to be celebrated one moment and tore down the next moment. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be cold. You're not going to have any place to lay your head. You're going to have plenty to eat at a wedding feast and then you're going to have to do a miracle just to feed the guys the next day. You're going to go through all of the things that people go through so that you can relate to them. And the Bible says, we have then a high priest that we can relate to because he's gone through everything that he's gone through. And Jesus, that's the plan. And the Heavenly Father looked at his son and said, I'm asking you to trust that plan. I'm asking you to walk in that plan. I'm asking you to trust me with the design for your life. And Jesus agreed to that and he enacted that and he started to live that out. And as he started to live that out, he started to run into those trials. And he started to run into those problems. And he started to run into those pain, that pain. And he knew that ultimately, what was gonna happen in that plan was all of that pain and all those problems were gonna crescendo on the cross. And he knew that when he went to the cross, He was gonna be falsely accused. He was gonna suffer a grave injustice because Jesus never sinned, let alone broke a rule. So he's gonna suffer a great injustice. He knew that he was going to be tormented. The Old Testament describes the torment of the cross. So he knew that he was gonna face that. He knew that he was gonna be beaten. He knew he was gonna be tortured. He knew he was gonna be mocked. He knew he was gonna be separated from his father. And he knew that his father's plan was that. And he also struggled to trust in his father's plan. So right before he went to the cross, Jesus goes to a garden and he prays. And this is what he prays to his father. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So he prays to his dad, he's like, Dad, I don't like this plan. I don't want this plan. I I hate everything about this plan. Can we change it? I I don't like or want what you are doing with my life. I don't like suffering physically. I don't like suffering emotionally. And I don't like suffering spiritually. I hate it. My, my pain, the pain of my past, my problems. I don't want any of this. So can you take it away? And his father, his father ultimately looked at his son and said, no. No. There, there's a, there's a, There's a reason for it, son. There's a purpose for it, son. I'm not tormenting you. It is the path that's laid out and it is my plan for your life. And what Jesus had to do was Jesus had to make the same decision that you and I have to make. He had to decide if he was going to trust his father, with his father's plan for his life. And his ultimate answer to that, or the way that he kind of answers that question, is he says, "He not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to choose to trust, and I'm going to choose to put my trust in you, and in your purpose, and in your will, and in your desire for me. That is the exact same issue ultimately, and I am boiling it down. It's ultimately the exact same issue that you and I must come to. Will I look at God and say, not my will but yours be done? And am I gonna trust God that his design of my life is different than my design of my life and am I going to embrace what he has designed or am I going to resent it, hate it, be bitter or am I going to trust what God has done with my pain, my past, and my problems? I've talked a lot about um, my mom and dad through this this series because they kind of inspired this for me. So my, my folks have been with the Lord for about 15 years now, but when I look back at my mom and dad, they, they are cycle breakers, that, that my siblings and I, and ultimately our children, all benefit from my parents looking and saying to God, not my will but yours be done. So I told you some of their story. My dad grew up in this massive dysfunction, violent home. My father was never loved. He said that to me when he was 70. That he was never loved by his father, moved out when he was 16, took his younger siblings with him, his, his sisters with him to protect them and to finish raising them. My mother grew up in a very violent home uh, uh, because my grandfather was an alcoholic and so were her brothers and he was a mean drunk so lots of violence, lots of, lots of dysfunction, lots of pain. Birds of a feather dysfunction together, so they found each other because you recognize each other in that pain. Mom and dad got married, had no equipping at all to have a healthy marriage, let alone a healthy home. They found Christ. And when they found Christ, they introduced Jesus into our family, they introduced the word of God, kind of the instruction of God into our family, and they introduced the church, the people of God into our family. And it caused the cycle to be broken so that I grew up in circumstances that, I can't, that were so much better that I can't even relate to my mom and dad's upbringing. I have no idea what it's like to have a violent home or an addiction-riddled home because mom and dad broke those cycles. Ready? You listening to me? When they accepted Jesus, ready? Their life got worse. There's no prosperity. They didn't get rich. Their problems didn't go away. The hair didn't grow back. Their life got worse So about six months after my parents accepted Christ, my brother was killed, he was an eight-year-old. He was killed in a car accident. A Couple years after my brother was killed, my, my aunt and my uncle, my dad's sister and her husband, which would have been my parents' best friends, they vacationed together, super close. My aunt and my uncle and six of their eight children coming home from church on Easter Sunday were all killed in one car accident. Eight people, one car accident. The one child in the car that survived was disabled. My mom and dad moved him into our home, taught him to eat, taught him to walk, taught him to be functional again. So I grew up, my cousins lived with me, right? So incredible, this is after they accepted Jesus. My other cousin who lived with us, he grew up, his, this has been my mom's brother's son, alcohol had so ravished, both of her brothers, both of her brothers died of alcoholism, and the homes were so abusive and neglectful that our, uh, my other cousin moved in with me. I grew up with my cousins because their families were destroyed by death or destroyed by alcohol, and my mom and dad took those people in and, and raised them. That's after they accepted Christ. After they accepted Christ, my dad was 49 years old. He had a massive heart attack and three months later had a massive stroke. My father was the provider for our family. So we had a very traditional family. My mom got married right after she graduated from high school. So she was 17 when she got married. 10 months later my brother was born. It was that kind of a house. So my mom had not worked outside of the house her whole life, my dad was the provider. Dad had a massive stroke, he no longer could work, he couldn't reason, he worked in a foundry, he couldn't do the, he was a machinist, he couldn't do the math anymore. So my mom, my dad had to medically retire, I was 12 years old when this happened. When dad retired, medically we went from a a reasonable middle class family that didn't worry a ton about money, took a vacation once in a while, we went from that to being kind of impoverished lost all the income. Mom had to go back to work just to feed her children. So my mom went back to work. She went and got a minimum wage job at a nursing home cooking. She had to be on her feet eight hours a day. That was a massive problem because when my brother was killed, she broke her back. And so my mom would go to work which meant my mom was in massive pain all day every day. So pain became a part of her life, prescription drugs became a part of her life. My dad's health kept failing, so doctors and hospitals and diagnosis. If you've lived in this situation, you know what I say, what I'm saying, and you know that you hate the smell of a hospital. And that was our life. See? That was after they accepted Christ, and what I watched my whole life as mom and dad continued to to not have like this awesome life, every time they would kind of come up for air, something else would hit them. Every time they would kind of get past this death and loss, there would be another one, every time they Kind of got a break financially. They they got wiped out in in a different way. That that was my whole life. I did I did not have a miserable childhood, but I did not have an easy one because that's the way that we lived. And I watched them respond to that again and again and again and again. And how I saw them respond again and again and again was I saw them say, habitually, not my will but yours be done. I, my, my father never became bitter with the Lord. My mother never lashed out at God. We never quit going to church. We never stopped yielding to the Bible. We never stopped praying. I, I never watched that happen. Because they would, they would again, it was like a their refrain. Not my will, but yours be done. I don't like my life. I don't like what you're asking of me. I wish you would take this cup from me but I'm choosing to live the life that you've chosen for me. And I'm choosing to embrace your will and not my own. Now what does that look like? What does that look like? That looks like 1 Peter. So let me show you this, 1 Peter chapter five. Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When I say not my will but yours be done and I'm I'm just choosing this trust, like I'm, this is, I'm choosing to trust Christ. What I'm doing is I'm humbling myself under God's mighty hand. What is his mighty hand? His mighty hand is he has a plan for my life. He has a plan for my life. And what I'm choosing to do is I'm choosing to trust his plan even though I don't like it or even though I don't understand it. And I'm humbling myself, I'm, I'm embracing that plan instead of resisting and fighting that plan. And that's what it means when I say not, not my will, but yours be done, like when Jesus said that. What he's saying is, Father, I don't want this. I'm not looking forward to this, but I'll do it. I'll accept it. And Jesus even knew what that meant. And I'll do it anyways because I know that you're doing something greater than me right now and I trust you that you know this is the path I have to walk to bring out the ultimate good of what you wanna do. So not my will but yours be done and I will humble myself under your mighty hand and I will take the anxiety, the fear, the frustration, the, the issues that come from my pain, my past and my problems and I'm going to cast them on you. So you want, you want me to do this? Okay, th- then you have to handle this, God. You have to give strength. You have to provide. I'm not gonna fight you. I want to be used by you, but I can't carry this by my own. And you're going to have to come beside me and you're going to have to give me strength and you're going to have to give me joy and you're going to have to remind me of purpose and, and you're, going to, you're going to have to take this journey with me. And Jesus says, I'll do that, but you bring yourself under my plan and you cast your cares and your anxiety upon me. Now, this, is, this right here is where the rub comes because when we say, well, not my will, yours be done, it's a great little platitude until you have to live that way. And the place in our life that we tend to resist God the most is when he shapes our life in a way that's different than what we wanted or we planned. So there's times, there's times when we say, God, not my will, but yours be done. There's times that God's will matches our will, and that's always the best. That's just great, right? God, would you let this happen? He's like, you know, that's what I wanted to happen. Oh, this is fantastic. Like, we're praising God, like bumping God, right? God, would you, would you heal me? Yes. Oh, this is fantastic. God, would you help me? Yes. God, would you restore a relationship? Absolutely. So there's times when our will matches God's will, and that's always a lot of fun. And there's never tension when we say, not my will, but yours be done, when our two wills match. There's other times, and we're all kind of realistic about it, that God's will is a little bit different than my will. Right? God, w- would, you, would you provide that house for me? No, but I'll provide this one. Oh, it's okay. I like that one. You know, Doylestown isn't that bad to live in. God, would you meet this need this way? No, but I'll meet it this way. Oh, thank you. It's not what I would have done, but gotcha. God I don't I don't want to I I want to be healthy. Well, I don't have cancer but I got gout. A little personal confession there, right? <laughs> uh, okay, gout's better than all the other ones. Right. See, so there's t- we all kind of know that when my plan and God's plan lock up, that's just the best. When God's plan is a little bit different, even falls a little bit short of my plan, I can live with it, right? Where we struggle the most And what is by far the hardest is when God, in essence, looks at us and says, my plan for your life is to write a story with your life through pain, your past, and your problems. And my plan for your life is not an easy plan. You're gonna grow up in a horrible home. You're going to lose a child. You're going to lose your best friends and your nieces and nephews. Then you're going to lose your health. Then you're going to lose your financial stability. And when God's plan is counter to our plan, that's when the tension sets in. That's when the tension sets in. Now, you ready, you with me? And that's where our cycles come from. Because I don't want to trust. I don't wanna trust, I don't want that plan. Who does? I don't want it, by the way. Pastor Jeff doesn't want it. I don't want that plan. So in order to get away from this plan, I gotta get my own going. You heard Jason talk about this on the video. I don't want this pain, so I'm gonna numb it with alcohol. I don't wanna lose this control, so I'm gonna bring about control with anger. I don't, I don't want to be in that place, so I, I'll just rack up the debt. I don't wanna face that broken relationship, so I just live in the dysfunction. I'm scared to be vulnerable, so we'll just be roommates instead of intimate in our marriage. I, I don't want to try, this doesn't make any sense to me, so I'll just, I'll just live in sin in this area of my life. And ultimately what happens is because I, I don't want this plan, I'll create my own well, where your own plan is going to take you, it has already taken you. And now you're at a place where you say, God, I want to break the cycle. And God would look and say, well, we have to start with you trusting me. And wherever you stop trusting me is when I, I'm unable to heal you. So not my will but yours be done. Which means what? No, it means I humble myself. And, and all right, you got, you got to deal with this. You, you have to deal with it. I can't do this without you, see? I've talked about this a lot And I've come to this conclusion. For a cycle to be truly broken, I have to release my past, my pain and my problems and my plan to Jesus. I have to choose, just like Christ did, I have to choose to trust in who Christ is, what he can do the healing he can bring. And that is one of the hardest things you will ever do. It's a decision that you're going to make a hundred times a day. And it's the only way to break out of the cycles that you feel trapped in. I talked a lot about my uh, my mom over these this series and I remembered that I had an old video of her. So this video... When you watch this, this video is 19 years old. This is 19 years ago. So I don't want to hear about how skinny I was or how gray I've gotten. I don't even want to hear about it, right? But 19 years ago, long before we ever started this conversation, it was a Mother's Day weekend and I wanted to do an interview with her. So if you've never met my mom, I I want you to meet her and hear from her a little bit, okay? Uh, just talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and things with papa and granny and just just what your your childhood was like growing up
1: well it wasn't very good we had um, I had two brothers that were older and my dad was an alcoholic and at times that was okay until later on in, in life and he began to get violent with his pro- drinking problem, It got to where, like I said, sometimes Saturday night at our house was him holding a knife to my mother's throat threatening to kill her if she moved. And um, mom taught, she'd get home from school, and of course you run to your mother, you know, you want to tell her everything. And she'd just say, get away from me, i have full with kids all day, I don't want to fool with anymore right now. So it wasn't a happy home growing up
0: you really walked into motherhood with not a lot to work with. I mean, (laughs) you didn't, you didn't, I mean, granny, you know, made the turn later in life, but that had to be scary. And you had, you had Davey and you had Doug, and you had Susan pretty, pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. the first three kids. And so here you are uh, a teenager who's uh, raising children. What was that? What was that like to, to be in that situation?
1: Uh, You know, I don't think I knew enough to be scared. I think um, it was just, I had three children, and they had to be raised, and they had to be taught, and I had no point to go back to, but for the most part, we lived day-to-day, and you handled what came up on a day-to-day basis and hoped you did it right. And that was just about all we could do.
0: Talk about mom when, uh, when Doug died. He had a, my brother Doug, your eight-year-old son, yes. in a car accident.
1: He was eight on the 6th of December and died on the 13th um, as a result of an automobile accident. And I remember sitting in this little room off. Dad was in with Doug and I was kind of taking a break. And, and saying, Lord, you promised, you promised whatever we ask for believing, you just can't have him. And I remember, we'd only been Christians for six months. And I remember thinking, the Lord will do it. He'll pull him out of this. And then I just had this thought in my mind of this ornery little happy-go-lucky boy that you couldn't stop if you tried. I had no fear. He was the one always getting the stitches and the head banged up. Laying in a bed, not being able to do anything. And I said, not my will, Lord, but yours, because we couldn't, it wasn't right for us to keep him. And it was about five minutes, and they came and told me that he was gone. And there's no way a parent ever it's over losing a child. Tell that now. It—it's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to outlive your children. Um, so it's a difficult time for all of us. Um, and I don't know how you make it through those things without the Lord, because. Every time I would reach a point where I think I could not go on another day, the Lord would send someone or something would happen to help carry the burden. So it, it was a very, very low time in our lives.
0: When you look back, Mom, from you know, the last 50 years of motherhood,
1: it hasn't been easy.
0: Would you go down all those paths again?
1: Oh, definitely. The Lord only gives you what He's going to give you the strength to handle. Um, I don't think anything came into our life that He hadn't planned or knew about or allowed. Um, Yes, I would go down every one of those paths again, even Doug, which is hard for me to say. But when I think of the people that came to know the Lord, through his, his death um, and all the other things that went on in our lives of the direction that the Lord gave us um, for our family and when I look at the outcome there's not a kid we have that we can't say they're absolutely wonderful
0: I just, I look back and I thank God that he gave me you, you're my hero, and I, I just look and say, you're, you never made a million dollars, you never starred in a TV show, you, you don't have a cape, but you redeemed a family, and you broke a cycle, and you and dad set set a pace for now two generations of your family. And uh, that's extraordinary, I think. So I love you. And And I don't care what you think, I have the best mom in the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This phrase, it's not my will, but it's yours. I don't know another way. I don't know another way. But I know what that produces. See? I know what that produces. Jesus does not promised us an easy life. In fact, he actually promises us a difficult one. <laughs> but Jesus loves you. And the same God that had to make a decision whether he was going to follow his Father's plan, is the same God that looks at you and says, I love you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I'm not asking you to do this alone, but this is, this is the path, and what God is gonna do is gonna change it, and making that decision is not gonna make your pain go away. My, My brother was gone, I think, 45 years when we shot that video. And mom, mom could still barely talk about it. It doesn't make it all go away. And she never fully understood it. You could hear her. She's like, I see this, I see that. But that pain's in her. She didn't understand why. She does now. She's with the Lord. She's, she's with Doug now. So she understands now. Now. But until she went to be with Jesus, she had to trust. And she had to decide again and again and again to humble herself under God's hand and to cast her anxiety in her care, say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And it broke the cycles. It broke the addictions. It broke the dysfunctions. It broke the brokenness. And that same power, the Bible says, that resurrected Jesus from the dead, if you're a Christ follower, lives within you. If you're not a Christ follower, it's available to you through salvation. And I believe you should should go to counseling and find the root. I believe in that 100%. You should you should get in groups but we have we have these spiritually healthy spirituality groups starting. look at look in the weekly. You should be in those groups and they will help you. I believe that a hundred percent. I believe you should find the root of your pain and address it. I believe that hundred percent. And no matter how good the counseling and how much you discover in your pain and how much, I believe you should have willpower and self-discipline, 100%. There's almost always just an upside to that, 100%. But no matter how much of all of that you ever do, you will come to a place where you have to say, am I gonna trust me or am I gonna trust Christ? It's just gonna boil down to that. And that's how cycles are broken. And that's how healing is received. And that's how lives are changed. And a loving God who gave his life for you, who endured the cross because of the joy of seeing you know him, love him, follow him, will go with you every step of that way. I wanted to... uh, give you something here tonight. So you got these three by five cards. We once again spent enormous amounts of money on the artistic design. But I wanted to give you an opportunity if you want it. If you don't wanna do this, don't. It, this is 100% up to you. But I wanted to give you the opportunity to have a memory marker, right? Sometimes it is really, really helpful to look and say, and that day, in that place, at that time, I decided to say, not my will, but yours be done. And I decided to trust Christ with my pain, my past, and my problems, and the plan of my life. So I wanted to give you an opportunity for a memory marker. There, there's this, old, this old-timey Christian saying I grew up in, and with, and what the preacher would say is he would say, you need to bring that and lay it at the foot of the cross. And what he was saying was this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated sin and he defeated death. So he has the power, he has the power to give you salvation when you ask for the forgiveness of your sin. He has the power to break addictions, he has the power to overcome your past, he has the power to free you from insecurities. All of that is demonstrated by his love on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. So the the old timey saying was "Take, take that and lay that at the foot of the cross. And it's, it's what he meant by tr- cast your cares upon Christ. Because the cross changed it all. So I had the guys put a cross up today. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you want to, uh, the band's going to come out in a minute. We're going to sing. And if you want a memory marker, write down on this little card, Jesus, Today, I surrender this to you. Jesus, in this area of my life, I say not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, this sin, I wanna surrender to you. And listen, it does not mean that everything goes away. You heard Jason talk about that. Jason struggles, he's relapsed. This is a part of the process. But what happens is you can go back and you can remember that Christ conquered this. Christ can free this. Christ will journey with you. But that decision, so, guys, I'm, I love you. Somewhere that decision has to be made and then lived by. And it literally changes see, how you perceive God, how you function with the people around you by just saying I'm going to embrace God's story for me. I'm going to humble myself under his hand, I'm going to lay it at the cross so i'm I'm going to pray here in a minute, and you got your fancy cards and get a pen, and the band will come out and and they'll start to lead us in a song and and several songs. We're going to sing three of them, and any time that you want to, if you want to come up and make a memory marker like this is this is the time, then you come up here. there's cards up there from from previous. Uh, services, you come up and you put that there and that's for you. This, I'm done. I'm done. Hey. And I'm just grateful that somewhere my mom and dad did this. I'm just grateful for it. Like abundantly grateful. And I learned from them that in my pain, my past and my problems... I got to get at the feet of Jesus. It's the only place to get healing and help and freedom from it all, okay? So I'll pray, and then you can write, we'll sing. And if you want a memory, if you want a marker, you come up, okay? Jesus, love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, this stuff is hard because it hits nerves. God, it just hits nerves. Like These are the, these are the most protected parts of our life. These are the parts that we are the most afraid of, the parts that we've held on to the most because it just, the pain of it, the memories of it, the frustrations of the addictions, the the feats of sin, Lord, all of it. And so to stand before you and trust you feels vulnerable and scary and, but Jesus, to know that you You relate to us, you were tempted in every way, you suffered in every way, and you had to make the same decision to your Father. So God, somehow, through your Holy Spirit, even now, give us courage, give us strength, give us a vision for what you can do. And God, let us respond to you, humble ourselves, cast our cares. We love you, Jesus.